0: welcome this is the change creator podcast Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast Show. This is your host, Adam Force. If you missed the last episode, it's with Mark Agnew. Um, he runs this eyeglass company. He's challenging the the famous one-for-one model that was started by Blake Makowski. And it's great to see people continuing to innovate Um, how they can contribute and and, and tweak their business models for different types of social impact. Um, If you missed that one, highly recommend going back to check it out. There's lots of good little gold nuggets in there uh, for you. This week, we're we'll going to be talking to Brian Robinson. And I'm excited because, you know, we're really focusing in on the sales and marketing stuff. And it's just such an, a, a critical part of business. And, and a lot of people in the social impact space are, um, you know, they have a fear of selling. You know, there's just, it's so tainted <laughs> from years of sleazy sales. But, um, you know, we're changing that. And that's that's a big focus for us. And how do we approach people as human beings today? And so, anyway, Brian Robinson is. A sales and marketing expert, and he's also an author and a coach. Uh, he wrote a, a best-selling book called *The Selling Formula*. He's done a lot of work with big companies that you probably heard of, like Coca-Cola and Johnson and Johnson. Um, so he has a lot of good insights, and in, so we're excited to see what he has to say about um, the sales uh, process and, and 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 what he's learned in his experience. And it's interesting because uh, just recently, Amy and I, um, Amy, the co-founder, of Change Creator here, we were talking, and one of the things that we brought up was, you know, how we start delegating things, especially when it comes to sales, because we feel like maybe that's just not our sweet spot. Um, and it's so important that as founders of companies, uh, we become the number one salesperson because we really there's a lot of, there's a lot that comes out of that experience and being close to that process when it comes to understanding the narrative, identifying opportunities or problems, and the um, in that process. So we were talking and one of the things that came up was this statement that just kind of came out of nowhere and it was a nice quote, but it's important and we've seen it happen a lot, which is you don't hire a sales team when sales are lacking, you hire a sales team when sales are thriving. So think about that because you know what we're trying to say is that if your sales are locking, lacking, then your systems are not set up right. It's not working yet. So you can bring on a sales team, spend a lot of money, and they're going to have a hard time selling. But if you are able to establish that sales system, um, then you bring on a sales team and you train them in it, you are going to uh, be able to really scale the business. So it makes a very big difference. Um, People we've interviewed have chimed in on that saying, yes, been there, it was a very painful lesson. (laughs) Uh, So remember that, it's a good good little tip and it'll come in handy down the road. Um, If you're not following us on Facebook, guys, check us out there. We do lots of good content, um, and we flow everything through there, um, and then our group is tied to that, so you can take it a step further, and the group is the Profitable Digital Impact Entrepreneur, so check us out over there, lots of good content uh, coming uh, down the pipeline. All right, well, let's see what Brian has to say and get into this. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing today? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show.
1: Thanks, Adam. Doing Awesome doing great
0: great great good to have you Um, I'm excited because we're gonna talk about selling today Uh, and you have an awesome book the selling formula five steps for instant sales improvement which is pretty cool and you know being transparent I haven't had a chance to read it uh, yet but um, I'd love to just hear your expertise since this is a big focus for us at change Creator and helping uh, our audience you know sell more with their social good businesses so Mm. um, yeah I mean I if you can just like what, what you uh, what do you have going on these days i like to just get like the latest of what you have going
1: on yeah so very exciting our company uh, a little less than two weeks ago just released out of beta Uh, we're by the way we're a digital marketing company we provide in lobby digital signage for um, a lot of businesses around the country and we're the first company to release that service on the apple tv platform so you can just navigate to it now find our app works 24 and we offer that service via that app and there's some incredible capabilities there so our whole company's stoked about it
0: so you guys decided to make an app I I think you know there's (laughs) it's one of these bridges that um, people are scared to cross sometimes and I'm wondering what what led you to to commit to that
1: we provide equipment to play the video content in our clients locations we work with a lot of banks credit unions medical facilities and the cost of obtaining that equipment maintaining it and all that goes with that plus our our whole force of service technicians it became a reality that if we could provide an off-the-shelf hardware piece of hardware and it was integrated with the apple device then it would be a game changer. And just out of the gate, it is absolutely a game changer. It's changing everything about the way we think, our clients think about the service, the way they view us. Was it easy? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, It was a a challenging road. And we had a good year and a half of development in it with our partner. And, um, but it worked. And we just had to work through the the different components and pieces of making that happen it was well worth it though and it should be
0: i can i can definitely appreciate that and i know what goes into creating these things so kudos to you guys for getting that done and kind of pushing through
1: (laughs) thank you thank you the team we've got a great team
0: awesome so um, before I get into just the topic of selling and, and trying to get all the little nuggets I can from you, um, just give us a little overview of the book. Like, why did you write it and what are people supposed to take away from the selling formula?
1: Sure. My background was corporate sales with Johnson & Johnson and Coca-Cola USA for a total of about 20 years. Yeah. And I was in four different divisions in Johnson & Johnson. And I, I journal quite a bit. So I was sitting outside journaling and I started to write down what, what was it that I did consistently in my selling. And I kept bumping up against these five steps and I recognize that, gosh, if I could help decrease the learning curve for somebody that's challenged with sales or is in sales and kind of questions in their gut, what am I missing? That's why I wrote the book. And it's, um, it's kind of we talked about prior to the show. It's kind of a, a velvet glove approach uh, to interacting with your clientele.
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. So I guess where I get curious is, you know, we are, um, you know, we're helping people who are in the, let's just say the first five years of business, this is most common for, for our audience. And I'm wondering if in your mind, you have any thoughts on the difference in selling during that time? I mean, here we are in startup world, uh, versus, you know, we got the Johnson and Johnson's, what are the differences and similarities? Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, great question. I discovered, because I am I was involved in the startup uh, several years ago that I'm now with, and I compare that to what I did with Johnson & Johnson. The difference is with the entrepreneurial approach, uh, truly, if you don't sell, you don't eat. Yeah. So you better have some response, you better close some deals. And so in the J&J world, At the end of the day, if you didn't close a deal, it wasn't live or die. It might hurt your numbers a little bit. So that's the dramatic shift that occurred in my world when I went to straight commission sales and start in the startup. So what I found is the five steps, if I can share those with you real quick. Fire away. Yeah, the first step is to connect with your prospect and set the agenda. And what I found to be fascinating is after a full year of high-level sales coaching, my number one takeaway is in this step, and that's setting the agenda with your prospect. And that simply sounds like this. Hey, Adam, with your permission, I'd like to go ahead and set the agenda for our conversation today. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, who wouldn't say that's okay? And you just tell them it's three steps. And then I go into the, in the book. I talk about what you should potentially say. And what it does is it brings everything to attention right away in the prospect's mind because they know you have a plan. And most people just show up and, you know, what I'm going to say throw up. and that's not a good plan, right? Uh, The second step is to interview the prospect and this is critical. I discovered that questions really are the key to life and if you take the time to craft clear, cogent questions and literally have a sheet of questions with you, pull it out when you're having the conversation with your prospect, they respect that you've taken the time to do that and it also takes the pressure off you to think about what you might have to say. yeah, And so that works really well. And then third is present your solution. After you've, of course, diagnosed the challenge, you present the solution based upon the answers you received. And then you give your pricing and your guarantees and close the deal.
0: So I'm going to just jump in on this and kind of unpack a couple things going through my brain. And, you know, you you kind of started with this conversation um, with, the, with the potential client. Um, but this is in a particular world uh, where you're sitting down with somebody and having this conversation, whether it's, you know, over the phone or in person or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. What about people in the e-commerce world who are trying to sell these products? You know, I'm in ethical fashion. And, you know, how am I thinking? How is my thought process around selling today different than if I'm not going and having client conversations like that.
1: So you're referring to a more of an email approach or some of the social media approach?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm getting there. That's kind of where I'm going. Cause you have to look at it. And Cause in our world, we got to say, well, not everybody has that kind of business, right? Where I'm going to go mm-hmm. and say, Hey client, let's do some work and I want to close this deal. So now there has to be a conversation, I think, kind of translate it from that in person but now done digitally so Mm -hmm. we have a different product it's a different dynamic so if i have an e-commerce store and i'm trying to sell these things how do we get the same conversations going and starting to flow um and this is kind of like what we talk about a lot and it's just these i think there are core uh fundamentals to selling like you mentioned so we're just kind of starting to translate this stuff into like a digital environment if you will
1: Mm-hmm. I really think the, the best way to frame that answer is with one key word, and that's curiosity. If you can convey a sincere, authentic sense of curiosity with the questions you ask that open, potentially open the dialogue with your prospect, that's the key. Instead of coming off as, I know the answer to your problem. How about, do you have a challenge like this? Is this something that you face? Yeah. What's your 2 a.m. issue?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like starting the conversation with them so they can start feeling like you, there's something to relate to. Like you understand, you kind of get in their head a little bit. Right. And you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, you're, you're asking these questions, but you can frame them up in ways where they're like, yeah, that is, that is me. And, uh, in a kind of starts saying, they start seeing themselves in this conversation.
1: Right on. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree.
0: Awesome. And so, um, I guess I'm, I'm curious, have you had some interesting feedback and stuff on this book that you had?
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just had a conversation last week, a gentleman and I spoke and he said he bought the book for his entire sales team. He's with a a medical startup and he had them read it and they're actually going to apply these steps in their sales conversations. And so- Well that that felt great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um
0: oh sorry, go ahead. You had something else. That's okay.
1: One one of the one of the other things that I keep getting feedback on is the pre-call preparation, the pre-call mindset or mindfulness. Yeah. And that's something that tends, in my view, to be overlooked. And that's simply taking some time to think about your prospect before you ever pick up the phone, send them an email or get get in person with them and it's just taking some time to like and care and be grateful for them and really kind of throw that picture into your mind that this is somebody you really want to serve yeah and it changes the whole dynamic
0: right yeah i can see that i can see that um, and I, I think you know today. I one thing that stood out is, I was um, I learned about the the guy that founded Costco uh, a little while ago, and he mentioned that so many people suppliers want to distribute their product through Costco, right? And one of the things he mentioned was, he said, you know, let's say you have a laundry detergent. It's a saturated market. There's all these different people who are, you know, have different laundry detergents. So how does he decide which ones to work with? And he said it's not always about, you know, the price differentiation and all those things because there's a lot of common ground. So that differentiation only goes so far when it's saturated. It's a saturated market. And he said, so the number one, I the number one determinant about it is. I go with the person who I like and trust the most.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Does that resonate with you?
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's it, at the end of the day, it's a like and trust world with selling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, some people are just strictly transactional. I don't think that's the vast majority of people though. No. Because we really want to connect with others.
0: Yeah, There may be circumstances and you can win like that here and there. There's these transactional Mm -hmm. things. It's just a great deal. But in the long run, I don't know that those methods are sustainable and there's going to be some kind of burnout uh, through trying to compete on things like price like that. I think you start to fall apart after a while.
1: Totally agree. I've seen it happen in multiple industries, too. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, the, old, the old adage is if you live by price, you're going to die by price.
0: <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> I mean, you just can't you cannot continue to compete that way. It's just it, it just wears out. Um, it gets mm-hmm. too difficult. And then you can't you don't really have differentiation at that point. You just have a momentary blip of differentiation. <laughs> That's right. That's you know? right.
1: It is momentary.
0: It is momentary.
1: Yeah. Well said.
0: Um. Interesting. Interesting. So tell me a little bit more about the formula. Um, um, I, I like to hear the way you're approaching things and I guess teaching. Um, mm-hmm. and I start in my mind, everything we do is digital, right? So like one thing that we've done, I'll just share this before you get into some details is, um, you know at change creator we talk about how important it is to before you sell digitally to get on the phone with people who are who you think are your correct customers and even if it's a zoom over zoom or skype and you do like a video call and Mm -hmm. and talk to them and sell your product to them on the spot Mm -hmm. and then uh, you know the fascinating part of that is through those conversations, we were because you know everyone. Everyone knows do market research to get to know your audience, but mm-hmm. it's super uh, different when you actually try to start selling to them because the conversation dynamic changes. All of a sudden, you have a sales narrative being built for your digital environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was curious, like, just to share that, because, you know, we're talking about learning to sell in person in order to sell digitally. And I'm curious on your thoughts of just how important it is to be able to do that as a founder.
1: Oh, it's critical. And it, it really brings me to a, a point in the book about the questions you ask. And I've, I've discovered a very powerful way to, to build your questions. And it's very simple. Just take a sheet of paper or an Excel spreadsheet and make three columns and then put in your first column the key feature Write out next to that in the second column the benefits related to that feature there's gonna be multiple benefits and then in the third column write the key questions that would elicit those benefits and you're going to wind up having this fanning out from features all the way to questions of bullet points. And then take the 20% most important benefits and use those questions in your narrative. Mm. And here's an example of that. Uh, and this is, this is in the book. but I'm just going to read this. I think it's very helpful sure. perhaps for your listeners. Yeah. So imagine that you're selling uh, pre-made home-cooked meals for two to six people and what you do is you simply have the first benefit is it saves up to 60 minutes per meal including food, food purchase prep and cooking time another benefit is just pull it out of the freezer and put it in the oven so there's two benefits you've written down for that yeah so three questions number 1 and the third question is most critical number 1 on a weekly basis how many dinners do you cook for your family you could see asking that right yeah question 2 How much time does it typically take you to make a dinner for your family? Yes. Okay, that's a fair question, but the critical question gets down to the emotional piece. If you could just pull your dinner out of the freezer already prepared and put it into the oven without having to think about it, how would that affect the frequency of your family meals?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and just how does it affect you in general, like your time? You free up time. There's more time with maybe the family. So there's, I think that's a powerful point.
1: And that's where you want to ultimately go as you craft your questions is into that space where it really affects the individual and could affect their life, their family, and so on.
0: I I love that. Yeah, I like the three-column approach. That's kind of organizing your thought process a bit for these conversations. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, One of the things that we've gotten really into is, you know, telling stories to people to help them, like when they have an objection, you might say, well, we don't we don't like frozen food in that in that example you gave. Right. And Mm -hmm. so this, that and the other because of certain reasons. So would you do you find yourself in these conversations with clients to say, yeah, well, you know, my friend Susie, um, it's amazing because she felt the same way. And, uh, but here's what she found out. And, they, and you tell a story that demonstrates something that kind of like overcomes the objection that they just had.
1: Um, that is a brilliant approach, Adam. Um, I referenced that in the book. And you're absolutely right. What you've done in that case is you've per- created social proof. It's third party. And it's not you telling them. It's the story selling them really is what it boils down to let me give you an example of this a live example our co- our company sells in addition to digital um, signage on hold messages for the phone system so somebody's put on hold they'll hear those messages etc and they're custom I had a client call me he'd been with us six years and he wanted to cancel our service and my knee-jerk response was oh my gosh what do we do wrong and he said nothing I don't really think people listen to on hold messages Brian and I said, well, let me try something. And Adam, we are involved in conferences all over the country and we provide a driver for a giveaway. It's worth about $300 in a drawing okay. and we do this everywhere. I had an extra driver in my office and I said to my, my client, well, let me try something. I'm going to go ahead and write five messages and let's see if anybody even responds. We're going to give away a driver on hold. So an example of one of the messages was, we don't even know if you're listening to this, but if you are please tell the receptionist you heard this message when you come off hold and we are enter into a drawing for a free $300 driver. In 17 days, 97 people signed up to win that driver. Wow. He kept the service. <laughs> but that story I just shared yeah. is, the, is to your point, it's the story I share with people that that think nobody listens to on hold messages and nobody can argue with that because it's a true experience.
0: Yeah. I love it. And and that is the key. Don't tell demonstrate. And that demonstration mm-hmm. provides such clarity around the idea. Um, it's powerful. And and then you're not just like telling someone something, you know, where they, they have no context almost. Right. Exactly. So now the context yeah. is there. I, I love that. And it gives value to what you say. Um, and I, I was, I was, I heard a story about, um, There was a couple, I think it was in Coney Island. This guy's like, I brought my wife to to Coney Island to see this art. Or no, she brought him to an art display. And there was this guy that did this famous uh, picture of a pig swimming in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what do you see here? She's, he's like, well, I see a pig swimming in the ocean, <laughs> right? <laughs> no context. And then the artist the, or photographer came over and essentially this guy started this company for meat purposes on this island, but he didn't think far enough ahead and he um, you know, didn't plan on how to feed these pigs. And so long story short, I'm, I'm really kind of rushing through it, but long story short, what happens is the he had to, a restaurant on another island so anytime they had all the food scraps they'd get in a boat go over to pig island and out in the water they dump all this food and the pigs learned over generation after generation they'd have to swim out to get the the food so now when they see boats coming they say hey it's feeding time and that's how the photographer was also able to get such close-up photos with the the pigs and everything else in pig island and so (laughs) at the end his story now the guy's like here, I want this picture. It's a great talking uh, piece. It's a great, mm-hmm. you know, like all this stuff. So he added so much value to it. But without that story, there was not a not value where he would want to buy it.
1: Guess what, Adam? Yeah, I I have fed those pigs in the Bahamas. Get the hell out! I'm not kidding. <laughs> and the weird thing about it, we fed them hot dogs. There you go. So they're eating. <laughs> they're the eating pigs themselves. are eating pigs.
0: <gasps> that's pretty messed up man (laughs) but
1: it was hilarious you jump out of the boat and they're they're just swimming out it's so funny and so fun
0: (laughs) that is cool that is cool i I, after hearing that myself i was like i want to go experience that and it is a cool conversation (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah man that's good that's good so um, yeah, so I guess I guess tell me a little bit more. I'm, I'm curious. Um, one thing that people forget is okay, great. You, you learned how to talk the talk and walk the walk, and you're able to get clients. Great, you made the sale. But what about the big uh, important part of your business, which is post sale and renewals? Mm-hmm. Um, I think people forget that part
1: of it. Well, we're you're right, and we're fortunate. In our industry, we have client service representatives that they're tasked with reaching out to our clients every 30 days. Yeah. And so they're constantly getting touched. Wow. So, to your point, when renewal time happens, it's not like I showed up and I come back a year or two or three later and say, hey, guess what? It's time to renew. And they're like, who the heck are you? <laughs> yeah. they've, they've said, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't been changing our content as much as I should. But Kelly always reaches out to me and she's so good about that. And wow, I don't have to work as hard, nearly yeah. as hard as if I showed up once every x number of months or years right
0: yes yeah and and so i'm going to just put that into context for people listening is you have a system that works for you meaning like you don't have to work as hard because of those very simple light touch points every 30 days
1: Mm -hmm. i love Mm -hmm. that, and it's all part it's automated as well but we we escalate it to a personal contact if after x days from that automated response we don't get anything
0: yeah and that's i just that's just a